coming up on this episode of an older gay guy show. So maybe make some notes about the things I'm going to say. And next time you're visiting your doctor, just kind of run it by them before you begin to change your lifestyles. everyone. I have returned. If you heard my brief message about having side effects from my second COVID-19 vaccine, I wanted to let you know that my symptoms were more or less on and off for about a 48-hour period, although the second 24 hours of that, the symptoms were much reduced. And the symptoms were only some nausea and some fatigue. They were nothing scary. I did not have any fever or chills or muscle aches, except in the injection area for a few hours. I really want to let anyone who is fearful of these vaccines, the Madonna which I got... (laughs) I didn't get the Madonna vaccine. I got the Moderna vaccine. Well, actually... I don't know, maybe the Madonna one is the one I should have gotten. You know, she's a 62-year-old person who dresses and acts like she's a teenager. Hey, that's me. (laughs) All right, so anyway, I got the Madonna vaccine or the Pfizer and any others that they're adding in. Honestly, for me, also for my housemate upstairs and also my niece, we've all been vaccinated and none of us has had any side effects of concern. So please don't be fearful of them. I've decided that I want to add a little bit of a caveat to my production schedule. I am still always aiming to put out new podcast episodes and new videos on an older Gay Guy Show YouTube channel for Fridays every week. However, I will state that should a problem arise, I will still put it out over that weekend. I will always aim for Fridays and will... Knock on wood, most times succeed, but if not, please know that they will be out no later than Sunday, except in some emergencies, and I will let you know about those. So, in going through some of my older files, I found a draft of a podcast episode from back in my first year of doing these shows. It's one that I've never used, and I thought, as we were all slowly coming out of this lockdown pandemic craziness, now would be a good time to use it. This will be a two-part series about 10 life-enhancing habits that I think every one of us can use. These are especially true for those of us 50 years old and beyond. However, starting some of these habits when you're younger, if you're a younger listener, You just might benefit most of all, as you will have many more years to succeed with them than those of us older guys. In today's episode, I will lay the groundwork for them. I'll give some necessary disclaimers and then talk in depth about the first three habits. 
The other seven will be in part two, which will be out in a couple of weeks. This episode is titled Life Enhancing Habits, Part One. I am Joey Hernandez. Thank you for joining me today. Well, my friends, spring is officially here, and we just might be able to go to the beach this summer without our dicks falling off. Yay! It will soon be time to celebrate, and what better way than with a new swimsuit? Adamail.com not only has an extensive stock of sexual gear and toys, but also has their own swimsuits to bring out the dapper gentleman in you. And as a faithful listener of this show, AdamMail.com is offering you a special deal. You can get 50% off almost any one item, and that includes free shipping. Go to AdamMail.com and check out their many offerings, and be sure to use the discount code AOGGS, which of course stands for an older gay guy show, AOGGS at checkout to get your savings. That was like a normal commercial almost. I didn't mess that up or fuck around (laughs) at all. (laughs) And now, without any further ado... Here is part one of the life-enhancing habits. Please note, though, part of this episode has been recorded using my previous equipment and my studio setup. The sound quality is not as good as it is now with my newer setup and my production studio and high-end microphone. So please bear with a little bit of change in the audio. Whatever your age, whatever segment of your life you are currently living, if you begin to make some of these changes that I'm going to outline for you, you are going to have a much easier and beautiful aging process. And today is going to be disclaimer heavy. I'm going to be laying on the disclaimers left and right because the list I'm going to give you of the 10 things that will prolong and give you a healthier, more vibrant life are my opinion only. And it's really important that I stress that I do not come from the place of being a physician. I come from the place of being a personal trainer for 30 years. And as always, the content of this podcast is my opinion. It is based on my experience of 30 years It is based on my education in fitness during that time. However, I am not a medical doctor. And anytime you're going to make any kind of changes to your lifestyle, whether you hear it from me or get it in another content on the internet, or you see it on TV, or you read it in a book, or you read it in a fitness magazine, please be wise enough to always run it by your personal physician. It's so important that you are wise enough when you're going to do something. If you're staying up late at night, You can't sleep, you've got the TV on, and you watch one of those 30-minute commercials for some supplement that promises you to help lose weight and build muscle and increase your testosterone and to give you more energy. You have to realize, please, that supplements are not regulated like foods are. 
The Federal Drug Administration, the FDA, currently does not regulate supplements very much. They're beginning to, but they're not there yet. So claims can be made, and it would cost so much money for people to challenge those claims. It really, it can really affect your health. And be wise enough, if you're going to be taking anything or doing any changes, or if you're going to be doing an exercise routine that is completely alien to what you've previously been doing, maybe it involves more stress on your ligaments and tendons or on, on your muscle insertion points, things that are your body is not used to because you've not been pursuing that in your fitness regime up until that point, please be wise enough to run it by your doctor. So this list of 10 things I'm going to give you I'm going to really highlight the things that it's important to check with a doctor regarding. I think they're all very wise points. I think everyone can benefit from these, but I do want you to be smart enough to run it by your doctor. There's medications that may interfere with some of the things I'm going to say, and only your doctor would know that if you're on medications. You could have underlying health concerns that your doctor knows will be in conflict with what I'm going to say. So maybe make some notes about the things I'm going to say. And next time you're visiting your doctor, just kind of run it by them before you begin to change your lifestyles. These 10 things are my list. You've heard some of them before, but I've tried to narrow down all the information that is out there and try to come out with what I consider to be the 10 most important things that you can change that will give you potentially a longer life a more vibrant life where you can move and you can experience the joys of your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, that you won't end up in some rest home in a wheelchair, unable to move, or possibly not even live to see your retirement age. All of these things are things that anyone can do starting at any age. Even if you're 70 years old and you have had a lifetime of bad habits, if you begin to change some of these things, studies have shown that you can increase not only the longevity of your life, but the quality of your life. And I think quality of life is as important, if not more important, than the length of your life. We all know people that probably have lived a really long time into a very old age and they have, in effect, wasted their years. They haven't been the kindest person. They haven't been the most moral person. They haven't been the most honest person. You know, they say youth is wasted on the young and only the good die young. Those sayings came from somewhere, right? But at any age, you can begin to make these changes, and at any age, you can improve your life. These 10 things I'm going to tell you are in no particular order, I don't want you to think that the first thing I say or the last thing on the list are going to be the most important. They are all important in their own ways. They are all things that when they come together as a whole will make an improved lifestyle. And that's going to be physical feelings. That's going to be mental, psychological feelings. That's going to be energy. That's going to be sleep. It's going to improve all of the aspects of your life. And I think that we will all find that if we adapt our lifestyles to include more of these 10 items, we won't see the effects right away, probably some actually fairly quickly. But as the years pass, these 10 things can really make a difference 
in your life. So let's get started with number one. Number one is about physical examinations. As a guy, I can tell you that at times myself, but certainly other men that I've known, just hate going to the doctor. It's so much easier if you have a slight pain or an ongoing problem that you're really not sure what it is and you get a little frightened. It's so much easier to just ignore it because what you don't know won't hurt you attitude. Unfortunately, what you don't know can hurt you. So number one is to get a physical exam. My recommendation, and again, this is my opinion, is if you are under 40 years of age, you should get a full physical examination every two years. Visit a doctor, have him go over your body, do all the tests that one does in an office, run some blood work just to check out the functions of your, of your organs like your kidneys and your liver, test for any STDs that you might have, test for your testosterone or estrogen levels, test for your cholesterol. Those are general things that a doctor is going to do in a physical exam. If you're under 40, every two years would be suggested, even if you feel that you are 100% healthy. When you're over 40, I think it's a good idea to do it every single year. My doctor asks for me to have a physical exam every year. And it's covered by most insurances. It is something that is quick and painless. It makes sure that you are up to date on your various vaccinations that you need. And it's a a way for your doctor to be able to monitor things that he might be able to tell are starting to go wrong with you, even if you can't yet tell that. And your doctor also knows your history, your family history, all that put together is a way of screening what is happening to your body. But I also think it's good to be very proactive when you go into the doctor. Whenever I go to my physician for any reason, I am very proactive, sometimes to the point where my doctor isn't so thrilled about that. Because the internet, while it can be a wonderful thing, can also be a pain in the ass to doctors. Because how often do we self-diagnose something? You know, we have a pain in our mid-stomach and we look online and we decide, oh, we have uh, something going on with our liver or something going on with our pancreas. And we call the doctor and we say, oh, we have pancreatitis going on. Well, we, we don't know that. You know, it's based on things that we read on the Internet. And as the saying goes, everything that's on the Internet is true or they couldn't put it on the Internet. Ha, yeah, right. You know, that's not the case. So things that you may read when you try to self-diagnose is not always the wisest thing. But being proactive is. So some research, some idea of the questions that you should ask your doctor, I think can be a really good thing to, to look at on the internet. Don't panic and decide that you have some illness that is chronic and debilitating and possibly fatal. Let your doctor decide those but at least come out with some questions about the concerns that you have so that you can get your voice out there. Make notes ahead of time so that you know when you're in the doctor's office and you're a little bit nervous, the doctor's talking to you and you're nervous, you're, you're trying to be polite, you don't want to take too much of their time, you don't want to go off topic, so you tend to clam up. And after you leave the office, you have a million questions. We'll try to get those million questions written down. I go into my doctor and he says what he needs to say on the visit and I pull out my little list and I say, okay, I got five things I want to want to ask you about. 
and they don't have to be long answers. He doesn't have to take a half hour to answer all your questions. Yes or no's, or we'll look into that, or I don't think so, as perfectly good answers. So I'll read off that list, and I'll, I'll feel like I made the best use of that doctor's visit that I possibly could. But doctors are not infallible. Sometimes they are busy. Sometimes they, they miss doing things that maybe they should because of various things being rushed or, or whatever. So by my going in with these notes, I'm able to cover topics that are of, of concern to me. And along those lines, make sure that your doctor does a few things based on your age. If you are 50 years or older, your doctor should ask for you to have a colonoscopy. If you have a history of colon cancer or cancers of the stomach or or any of that going on in your family, your doctor may request colonoscopies be done at an earlier age for you. And there's always a lot of fear with colonoscopies, and I certainly know that feeling. When I was younger, going back about 30 years or so, I had something going on with my stomach, and my doctor wasn't quite sure what it was. And I had what was called a flexible sigmoidoscopy. And to this day, that is the most painful, most horrendous medical experience that I've ever had in my life. I went in, they gave me some little pill that was supposed to relax me, I guess. I laid down on the table on my side, and viewable on the counter beside me was these tubes, these long tubes that... As I looked at them, I couldn't possibly imagine them fitting up me. And then they went through the procedure of inserting a tube and inflating me from within with air so that they could expand my innards and be able to get these tubes up there. And then once they started with the tubes, I could feel everything. I was I was in the worst pain. I was pleading with them to please hurry up. I had a little bowl that I was kind of um, dry heaving into because the pain was so intense. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life and certainly the worst medical experience I've ever had. And they came out with no data from that at all. Nothing showed that was wrong. So I went back to my doctor and uh, he looked at the report and said, well, that showed nothing. Um, there's no, There's nothing that showed up in that amount of length that they went in. So I think if we're going to try to find the problem, we have to order it again and have them go in further. And I was like, I don't think so. No, 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 no. I will I will deal with the slight diarrhea that I had been having. I will live with that. Fortunately, it cleared up very shortly after that. But I had always had that in the back of my mind. So when I was approaching 50 and I knew the colonoscopy word was going to be brought up soon, I was in a panic, and when my doctor finally said, okay, yeah, I think we got to order a colonoscopy, I put it off for a good six months or so after that. I was just oh, I was just shaking in my boots over the thought of having a colonoscopy. So I went into the hospital on the morning to have it. And by the way, the cleaning out process that they talk about and how that's the worst thing, yeah, I suppose it's the worst thing, but to be honest with you, it's really not any big deal at all. You know, you're just having a lot of diarrhea. You stay home, you eat clear fluids, it's it's not bad at all. So don't let people scare you about the prep. 
But when I went into the hospital, as I'm laying there and they're hooking the IV into me and whatnot, I, I tell them about my experience with the flexible sigmoidoscopy. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was like the worst. And I'm scared to death of this. And they said, well, well, we'll drug you up. And I said, well, that's what they said on the flexible sigmoidoscopy. And it was the worst experience. Please, please, please drug me up, drug me up, drug me up. So they said, no worries. So they're wheeling me into the procedure room. I'm still wide awake. I guess I have an IV in me that's supposed to slightly relax me, but it wasn't working very much. And I get into the room and they turn me on my side and they hook me to the monitor. And the doctor comes in and introduces himself. And I, again, I explain real quick the sigmoidoscopy experience. And I'm like, I'm scared to death. Please drug me up. He said, no worries. And I'm laying on my side and I guess they start to do some sort of additional intravenous into me. And the doctor said, okay, we're about to get started. And I'm like, uh, I'm still awake. Uh, I'm still awake. Just so you all know, I'm wide awake. <laughs> and the nurse is patting me, going, that's okay. Just calm down. And literally, literally, well, not literally, figuratively, five seconds later, I'm being shaken. And they're like, time to wake up. Time to wake up. And I'm like kind of groggy saying, what? Come on, let's just get this over. And they're like, we're all done. And I'm like, no. And they're like, yeah. And so I kind of like felt, you know, from within my innards, you know, and I'm thinking, no, nothing. I'm not filled with air. Nothing went in there. I can tell nothing went in there. They're, they're, they're making a joke to calm me down or something. Sure enough, they were done. I remember nothing. I felt nothing. I had no after effects in any way, shape, or form. So with the colonoscopy, and the only reason I've talked about this for a few minutes is so many people are afraid of colonoscopies. In today's medical world, it is amazing what they do. And if you are fearful of that, be upfront when you go in to have it done and just tell them that. Tell them, I'm fearful of having this done. I've heard horrible things. I'm scared. And they will take care of you. And it will be an easy experience. I was totally clear. And they said, well, you got, you know, 10 more years before you have to have it done. My brother, in the last few years, has developed uh, colon cancer. It's the first person in our family to get that. Uh, my brother, who's five years older than me. So I think I will probably go back in the next year or so and have it done again. My colonoscopy was done uh, five years ago. I might go back in another year. And I'm not afraid in the least bit to have that done. So colonoscopy, ask for it if they don't mention it to you. Secondly, if you're a woman, I have to admit I don't know a lot about this, but mammograms are so important. Some sort of screening of your breast tissue to make sure that there aren't any lumps. My mother died of breast cancer back in the 70s. It was not a pleasant death in any way. It was horrendous. She was in horrible pain. I had to be trained just as an early teenager to give her morphine injections when she was at home. It was a horrible thing as a child to have to do, and it was a horrible thing for my mother to have to go through. And just by having mammograms and screenings, you can eliminate that from your life. And the last thing I do want to mention about physical exams is make sure when you go into your doctor that you bring a list of the medications that you are currently taking. Most of them, hopefully, will be prescribed by that doctor, and it's always just a good idea to remind them of the medications that you are on. They see a lot of patients. 
but especially, especially if you've gone to another doctor to get medications, if you go to a psychiatrist to get antidepressants, if you um, go to a dermatologist that puts you on a particular medication for your skin, some of those could have interactions with the medications that you're main physician is going to give you. And sometimes those health records are not tied together. So it is always a wise idea to bring in the list of medications and just take a moment, either hand it to them to say, this is what I'm taking, or review it one by one with them. But make sure your medications are checked at least once a year as well. So number one, physical exams. Please get them. Don't be afraid of them. They can help prevent so many things in life. Number two of the 10, I'm going to talk about supplements for a moment. And again, I'm going to give a huge disclaimer about this. Anytime you're going to take a supplement, because the ingredients can interact with prescribed medications that you take, especially things like St. John's wort, certain other compounds that can reduce the effectiveness of prescribed medications or at times increase the effectiveness, which you'd think was a good thing, but sometimes it can move it into a toxic point. You want to run supplements by your physician before you take them. I am not a big proponent of supplements. I don't really believe supplementation is necessary except in the cases of if you have a a deficiency that is diagnosed by a doctor, if you have an underlying ailment, or if you are an extreme elite athlete, at times I think maybe supplements beyond the ones I'm about to mention may be beneficial. But for the average person with the average diet, and especially the diet that I try to get you to adjust to, which is, and you've heard this many times from me, and you'll hear it many times more, five to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. If that is part of your diet, you are probably getting most of the nutrition that you need. But again, let your doctor determine if that is the case. The supplements that I personally take and the supplements that I do recommend to people that they do discuss with their physicians are a basic brand name multivitamin, just in case there are certain things. Like for a while, for a few years, I was a vegetarian. I was not eating meat and fish, and I was not getting certain nutrients. And my doctor actually ended up asking me not to be a vegetarian if I could possibly do that because I was having some deficiencies in my diet based on some underlying illnesses that I've had. A basic brand name multivitamin. And if you're going to take a multivitamin, be wise enough to go and actually get a brand name. They're they're not that much more. If you buy a generic one, Chances are they're going to have in them what they say, but probably not the amounts that they say because they're not regulated that much. But if you get one of the big brand names, and especially the ones that are designed for over 50 or are designed for women or are designed specifically for men, you're going to get some of the micronutrients in there that you may be lacking in your general diet. So do run it by your physician, but a general multi-brand name vitamin is a good idea. And I take mine in the evening because they can be difficult on your stomach. And I take it with my dinner. And when I go to bed, everything is wonderful. I, I never take it on an empty stomach and I don't take it in the morning. The second supplement is fish oil. 
I am not a huge fan of fish. I am trying desperately to begin to work it into my diet and find ways to cook it that is slightly appealing to me. But I've never been a fan of the smell of fish or the taste of fish. And yet, because of heart problems that I've had in the past and the family history that I have, my doctor has asked me to take fish oil capsules. I take four of them a day. I believe it's a total of 4,800 units of fish oil a day I take. Um, That's going to help get the omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids into you that is so good. That's the healthy fats. They do have, if you're concerned about fish taste, they do have some burpless ones that does reduce the fishing amount of flavor in your mouth afterwards. Uh, Fish oil can be very beneficial. And uh, honestly, I think most people could probably benefit starting in their 30s with taking fish oil. Some people have allergies to the gelatin that they are suspended in or the fish oil itself. So again, run it by your physician before you implement it. Third thing is, because of my history and because I'm over 50, I take a heart aspirin. That's a low-dose aspirin. I take it at night. The reason I take it at night is studies have shown that most heart attacks occur in the early hours of the morning, whether it be the time you're sleeping or when you first get up. So by my taking my heart aspirin as I'm going to bed, with the half-life of them being about 12 hours in your system, I'm getting the benefit of that heart heart aspirin being in my bloodstream in the morning when I'm getting up. If you have problems with aspirin or ibuprofen or acetaminophen, any of those, or just in general, you want to run it by your doctor. Heart aspirin will thin your blood if you're ever going to have any kind of operation or any kind of procedure where your skin is going to be punctured you might benefit greatly from stopping the heart aspirin for a couple of weeks before those procedures to cut down on bleeding. And again, that's why it's really important to be mentioning supplements and medications that you take to all of your doctors. If you're going to have a minor surgery, your doctor really needs to know that you've been taking a heart aspirin because it's a blood thinner. And they may get together with your main physician and see if it would be okay for you to stop that for a two-week period so that there is not excessive bleeding during the operation. So heart aspirin. I take it. Check with your doctor. It's not a bad idea. Vitamin B complex. Vitamin B is a deficiency that we can get. They're not really sure why we're getting so much vitamin B deficiency in our diets these days. But vitamin B is tied specifically to energy, and it is tied also to neurological health. If you ever experience neuropathy, which is a numbness or a kind of electrical shock feeling in your fingers or in your feet, part of the reason could be because you have a vitamin B deficiency. And again, don't self-diagnose or don't let me diagnose that, but do talk to your doctor about vitamin B complex. It's a good idea to take as long as you're healthy. Your doctor does want to be able to check that against the vitamin B content in the multivitamin that you're taking to make sure that you're not taking too much. But vitamin B is a water-soluble vitamin. You'll notice a few hours after you take it, when you go PP, your pee is very yellow because it's water-soluble. And the final supplement I'm going to mention is vitamin D, and that has started cropping up 
because we've become so concerned with sun exposure. Vitamin D can be obtained in the diet from fruits and vegetables, and I highly suggest you be eating fruits and vegetables. But a good source of vitamin D is sun exposure for short periods of time. However, because we are concerned with skin cancer and we are concerned with aging and wrinkling, a lot of people have gotten out of the habit of being in the sun. I myself, because I want to remain somewhat young looking and because I had a history of tanning like crazy and tanning beds when I was manager of gyms. One of the benefits was I could tan free. So I used to do it every day when I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, so I'm, I'm off of sun. I, I have no, no desire for it. I don't want to wrinkle. I don't want to tan. And because even if you do go out in the sun, it's recommended that you have a fairly high SPF sunblock, your, your body may not be getting that vitamin D from sun exposure. So check with your doctor. He can uh, check your vitamin D levels with an easy blood test, and you'll see if you need to supplement that. And again, vitamin D is probably in your multivitamin. But those are things to be determined by your physician, all of those things. Multivitamin, fish oil, heart aspirin, vitamin B complex, and vitamin D. Make sure you run those all by your doctor. And your doctor may suggest other supplements that I did not mention That is something that you and your physician should decide together. Number three of our 10 is going to be an easy one for some and probably a bit difficult for others. You need to move. You need to move your body for at least one hour every day. And I don't mean just walking around your house or doing the average walk that you normally do in day-to-day activity, but I'm talking about stepping that up a little bit more and trying to move more aggressively. Movement helps keep your body, your muscles, your bones, your ligaments, your tendons all working and healthy. What you don't use in your body, what is not necessary for your body to function over periods of time, if that's the way you live your lifestyle, begins to atrophy and you will, over time, begin to have mobility problems. So cut that off at the pass. Move at least an hour a day. And that means go for walks. Take the stairs whenever possible. Exercise, if that is something that you are willing to do, and I hope at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you are at least willing to try some exercise. And my big pet peeve, my big pet peeve that can help so much in this movement is, for heaven's sake, when you go to a shopping supermarket or a mall, don't drive around for half an hour looking for the closest parking spot that you possibly can. What is the point of that? Park as far away from the door as you can in the parking lot and walk to the mall or walk into the supermarket. You're going to be coming out with a carriage that you can push to your car. You're going to be parking your car in an area that probably has less likely chance of being banged by other car doors. Make sure, I mean, be wise enough to park near a lamp in the parking lot or something if it's evening. You know, protect your car. Use that as a way of getting a little bit of movement, a little bit of exercise in your life. In the amount of time it takes you to drive around to find that parking spot that's just slightly closer, you could have easily walked into the mall or supermarket and already be halfway done with your business. So that's the one thing I'm going to ask you on this list that I want you to start right away. 
start right this weekend because I know you're going to go shopping somewhere. If you're on vacation and you go to a little gift shop somewhere or an amusement park or to the beach or whatever, don't try to find the closest parking spot. Don't be lazy. I hate the word, but tough. Don't be lazy. Get up and move and try to do something. Movement, one hour every day. Part two that covers the other seven habits will be coming up soon. Meanwhile, please be sure to check out my story time video that was recently added to an older gay guy show YouTube channel. Please enjoy it staying light outside longer as we begin to get ready for activity and the beginnings of warmer weather. And I'll be back in a few days with another episode. Thanks so much, guys, for joining me. And please subscribe. Bye for now.